stats are for losers. All right, welcome to another episode of Statistically Speaking. I am Lincoln Riley. I'm here with Kyle Umlang, and we have our special guest, uh, Rob Bowron. Um, how are you doing, Rob? I'm, I'm not too bad. The, uh, excited to get some real data for uh, what should be a lot more fun season than last season. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the the sentiment uh, across, you know, all the kind of analytics guys I follow is everyone's kind of, I don't know, crossing their fingers or holding their breath, seeing just exactly how reliable or absolutely worthless last year's data is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really lack enough. um, I mean, the problem wasn't like like the quality of the data in the games. I mean, though, there is some of that for teams like, say, Michigan or something like that, which totally, you know, they totally collapsed. But you lack, you know, you lack enough non-conference games to really build out the kind of uh, ordinal rank across conferences that you'd like with uh, reliable numbers. Yeah, so uh, let's let's get into that. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, how you how you got into college football analytics. Uh, yeah, uh, so I, uh, geez, I, I for my job, I run the uh, data science practice at a consulting firm, um, and I uh, in the past have been, you know, lead data scientist at an insurance company. Um, I got lured out of uh, finishing my PhD in economics by American Express. Um, they they said, "Come, we'll pay you like you have your PhD. Come work for us now." And I said, "You have a deal." <laughs> um, and then um, I was uh, I was actually uh, I went to work for the New York Times for a little bit, uh, and I was I was really bored. Um, like the New York Times, as uh, on the journalism side, is is incredible. Like just you know, like some of the world's best journalists work there. Um, on the business side, it was a little bit bananas. <laughs> and I was definitely on the business side, um, and so I was, I was kind of bored. And I was flipping through um, some of ESPN's numbers. I know I'm this. I, I'm trying not to like speak too much ill of anyone else's math, um, but I, I was looking through it and I was like, I do this professionally like i could make a run at this um and so i found the people that uh provide data to the the college football playoff committee and i asked them how much their data costs <laughs> and their data was reasonable uh cost wise and so um i buy data from them um and yeah i mean i got into it um i think mostly to see i mean partly to see if i could do it partly to um find something more interesting to do. And I guess in you know, some of the downtime in between projects when I was at the times. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get, I get a kick. I mean, I love college football and it's a, it's a, it's a fun way. It's a, it's certainly a fun way to keep up with, you know, my, my favorite sport. Well, I was going to ask if you're uh, you always been a college football fan. Is it, is it something you recently got into? Is it a, it's an old thing. Uh, I grew up in Wyoming of all places and uh, my dad was in the legislature. And so the, like, so with the university, uh, my dad got to be at the point where he was the head of the appropriations committee in the Wyoming legislature. And the university always had something they wanted, whether it was a new parking garage. I mean, like they always had something they wanted to get through appropriations. Um, But even before, I mean, like we went to, we went to games down in Laramie uh, all the time growing up you know like we would go down and uh and, and catch games so i i definitely grew up um a big college football fan and then 
um, the year I was playing freshman football and uh, we were decent, but like the, the varsity team was really good um, and ended up going to state. But that year also, um, or I was saying going to the state finals. And then that year also, like Joe Tiller, was that was his last year at Wyoming. Wyoming went like 10 and two um, that year. And we went, we went to like my grandpa and my dad and I would get in the car and, you know, nothing is close in Wyoming. I mean, everything is far away in Wyoming. Um, so it's like a two and a half hour drive down to Laramie uh, ish, depending on how, how fast you wanted to go. And we would, you know, we went to, I think every home game that year, that was a blast. So, yeah, I mean, I've been into college football really, you know, growing since growing up. I mean, there's no professional sports in Wyoming. Everybody's certainly like a Broncos fan, but um, you know, the, the, the Cowboy, unless you're, unless you're LDS and there's like a sizable LDS population, Wyoming that are BYU fans, like unless you're LDS, like you're a, you're a Cowboys fan. So, um, so does that mean like anytime Wyoming plays, you're like rooting for them no matter who they're playing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I ended like up finishing college football. I mean, yeah. 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 I, yeah. Certainly. I mean, I'll root for Wyoming. Um, I mean, the only time I'm like, I might have like a little trepidation is I finished up my undergrad at the university of Arizona. Um, and I'm a pretty big wildcats fan. That's like, I, it's they're They're not really particularly good, but <laughs> in some ways that's sort of a relief, right? Like, nobody nobody can accuse me of like biasing my numbers to help out arizona <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know why you do that but right. um and then uh yeah i did like I, I did my graduate work at vanderbilt and that's like i mean like i will root for them more out of pity I mean, they're even worse than arizona if that's okay. possible so so, so you got a, a big mix of of college football fandom around the nation that's, that's pretty cool yeah i got a sense i mean like when i was living in um nashville i got a real sense of like wow like people are really into college football down here because you just be <laughs> like because they had you know like uh you know call in talk radio shows and, and people would call in and just talk nothing but sec football you know um you know all or like this is good. like i i just remember like i mean just the endless smack talk between you know the fans like some some caller called in and I think he was an Arkansas fan and he said, Kentucky fans were just mad because they couldn't get into Arkansas. And in my head, I'm like, we can't get into Arkansas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't know this about Kentucky, but I think their acceptance rate is, is like 98.9%. I didn't okay. know that in, until I was randomly touring the campus a, a couple like weeks or months ago. And I just decided to look it up. I was like, wow, that's, that was shocking. Well, I feel like I got to get down there and see a game. Like Mark Stu, I mean, I'm in Columbus, Ohio now. And like Mark Stoops has him like, you know, like Kentucky's actually somewhat interesting in football, which isn't something you say often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, they were like ranked pretty well throughout the season. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing something over there getting better. So uh, tell us about, tell us about your model, the, the beta rank. Is that, yeah. Tell us about, tell us about your model and uh, kind of what goes into it and what makes it maybe different than uh, other, other models you, you see out there. And, and then as well, where can people go and look at this model or yeah. go and look for their team and their conference and all that? So we have a, um, we have a website, sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, and you can, it's all, all the, um, man, I'm like, I'm a big believer in automation. So like, I have, <laughs> like people are like, like I, I feel for people that are still like writing, running their models on, um, on like Excel spreadsheets or something like that. Like God bless those people. I, uh, I, I rent out a server on Google's cloud 
and I have it like I have it crawled out. And if you follow sharpcollegefootball.com, um, you are on Twitter. If you follow Sharp College Football, then you get I have Twitter bots that are tweeting out stats like every five minutes that I wrote. Uh, but everything's in Data Studio, which is Google's version of Tableau or whatnot. Um, and so it's it's pretty simple at this point. Like I have a lot of different reporting built off of just a handful of uh, data sets that I upload out of, off the server. So it's 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 pretty easy to get through my mod like um so i was one of the handy things about working at the new york times for my brief stint there was you would get they would get really interesting people to come talk to you about math um you know like the the some of the senior data scientists one of them worked at columbia and he got andrew gelman um who's a very famous statistician also uh in person is exactly what you think he would be a little awkward and like incredibly dismissive and sarcastic. So, <laughs> but he came in to talk to us um, about hierarchical models. Um, and he sort of, he wrote the seminal paper um, and you can find it on the web. Um, you know, it's on his paper, the paper that, you know, it sort of, uh, you know, the sort of initial paper on hierarchical modeling um, was uh, this paper on radon in Minnesota. But in, in hierarchical models, you're basically like you are you're building out multi-level models that try to predict together, sort of like if there's some some component, some um, and in the case of college football, like I have models that work off of drive data, and then I have models that work at the play level, and then I have models that um, but all of it's coming back to the essential, like I guess, and other people will disagree that's okay. <laughs> like I'm not a big EPA guy. Um, and, uh, bring it back to drive points per drive for me. Um, you know, I, in, in, in my thinking that is sort of like the, that's your at bat, right? Like that, like it's the, it's the drive that, uh, that, that, that matters. So, um, it runs through, I run through these series of models. Um, they're also, uh, Gelman's a big Bayesian, and I was like, "Oh, and Bayes." And now I'm, I've been, I joke around and say I've been washed, washed in the church of the the Reverend Bayes. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, there's there's a Bayesian component um, to it, um, where I am fitting, um, you know, the prior distribution, um, you know, not just picking the normal or something like that. Um, but then, like, you know, like. What I think what makes beta rank interesting and different than what you a lot of what you see out there um, is one the hierarchical part of it. I I, I tell people at work because I, I joke around because like I um I do I, I rarely I get to do some modeling on my own at work, but I mostly like the math coach. I I, I like to refer to myself as the chief of the math village at work, <laughs> um, and so I'm just coaching people on their models for the most part, right? Um, but I tell people like you know, models, we are, we are attempting to create a, you know, a mathematical model of a real world phenomena, right? And so like, you have to fundamentally try to understand the phenomenon that you are trying to model, right? Like if you come back with, you know, a model that says, you've got some data, you've got, you know, you build a model on it and it comes back and it says, you know, lions are faster than cheetahs, like you got to go back to square one. You can't just be like, well, that's what it was in the data. Like, all right, well, you have a data problem. <laughs> right like but it's that level of like you have to be able to have like a sense check um you know and i think for a lot of people including me like your sense check is vegas right like i'm i'm fascinated the question that fascinates me is not um 
is not beating closing lines. It's how do I do against opening lines? Because open, like I want to know how I did against odds makers, you know, the pros, the guys yep. that get, you know, the guys that do this. I don't want to know what happens once it filters through the public. And I mean, I, I am really specific on this. I get my numbers up before 9 a.m. It was 10 a.m. this Saturday because, like, of course, there's like my production code last year had to get totally modified around to be able to handle the weirdness of 2020. So I open it, I, I open up and I'm like, oh shit, I have, sorry, I'm swearing. Oh shoot. I haven't looked, I haven't looked at my normal production code in two years for beta rank. Oh no, what happened? And of course, like there's always bugs in the early season and you're like, I'm like debugging the data, but I make it a point to get the data up early on um, Sunday because um, it's, it's interesting to me to see what the Vegas lines are. Um, you know, and where I sit versus those lines. And I don't want, like, if I was built, like, because if I was building, like, a, a model that was going to try to predict close against closing lines or something, like, I'd wait, right? Like, or I'd run two different models. And I'd intake the spread data as it came out, right? Because that's a, that's a super useful and interesting data point. Um, yeah, so, like, that for, like, for a sense check, I mean, like, even the projection model, and, and I'm sure somebody's, you know, talked, like, you're in college football data sports data in general you have a cold start problem right like at the beginning of the season like if, if i just ran totally raw beta rank right like you would have completely crazy numbers you know like um you know i'm trying to think of like a team that won that was like wyoming wyoming barely beat montana state but like wyoming could be number one in beta rank because there's just not that much data and you're gonna have weirdness um you know so you have to do some bayesian weighting at the beginning of the season. So you have a projection model. I view it as sort of a necessary evil, but it's it's required, right? Like, so I can have somewhat normal results. Even with the weirdness last year, beta ranks within a point or two, I think of like 96% of the games of, of where Vegas was on their opening lines for those games. But wow. there's some ones that are wow. were way off, right? Like, and and unlike in prior years where I'd be like, oh, well, that's interesting. Like, I have some confidence that my model's not garbage. Like, let's go with it. This year, I'm like, no, no, 2020 data was garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody put any money on anything that's really far away from Vegas. Um, but I'm also done with, um, I get this question every once in a while. Uh, and I think it's because, like, I think the FPI and Bill Conley's S and P plus um, continues to use out of season or preseason data throughout the season. Um, and beta rank doesn't predict better with that data after week five. So I'm all in season data after week five, there's no recruiting numbers. There's not like, it doesn't improve my predictions. And I'm um, you know, one of the things they teach you in graduate school in economics is parsimony model that predicts best with the fewest predictors is the best model. Um, so I'm not going to throw it. I'm not going to throw in the kitchen sink just to just to have it in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I guess that's the sort of gist of, I mean, like I, I've rambled on it. Any questions on? No, so, so, okay. So you said it's, it's very uh, close to what Vegas has for opening uh, lines. So like, for example, like when was it, you said Sunday or Saturday, you released them at 10 or so. What, what was, how had what jumped out as like an outlier like uh to to vegas like what game was like whoa this is weird and not right yeah right now it's washington and michigan um and it's because 
Michigan totally collapsed last year. I mean, both sides, like, so Wisconsin right. totally collapsed last year, but only on one side of the football. I mean, we saw this in the game. Like, the defense was still pretty good. The offense was still looked like the 2020 offense. Um, but it is sort of, you know, Batering basically says, like, hey, it's hard to come back from, like, we expect Michigan to improve on what they were in 2020, but it's hard to, like, fully bounce back from being horrible, like Vanderbilt bad which is what Michigan was the prior year. But then also like I have right now, I mean, there's things like that, you know, Vegas is going to catch quicker, right? Like Washington, I can't just throw out. I mean, I feel like I don't like to make arbitrary adjustments to the model. Um, Even if it looks wrong, I think it's valuable to see a system that's grading everybody the same. Um, So Washington is, you know, we just saw them, lose to Montana or lose was it right. yeah Montana at a home like I can't just drop Washington 20 spots right so like Baderang right now is Washington still is a favorite going into that game Vegas of course has you know Michigan is a favorite in that game I would you know push comes to shove I'm going to pick Michigan in that game right like I know that the model is likely off I know why it's off right um but like if you flip it like the Oregon Ohio State game I think I'm within like two points ish right there right like and that's uh, for yeah. the most part that's where you want it. like there's going to be times where like beta rank's going to have a different like a, a very different number than vegas sometimes late in the season and i'm okay with that like uh, i'll i'll stand on that a little bit more once it's just all in season data but you know like this time around like i had somebody like the the new mexico state utep game and new mexico state didn't play at all last year and they're like you've got new mexico state as a favorite and i was like do not put any money I have no idea how good they're going to be. We just know like UTEP was terrible. Last time we saw New Mexico state, they were also terrible, but they seemed less terrible in 2019, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that. Right. So I, uh, I got one more question and you know, I'm an OU guy. Kyle's a Texas guy. And this is kind of the OU Texas, uh, in the analytics world. Are you an R guy or a Python guy? Oh man, I'm Python. Like, don't even get, yes. get that, get that out of here. Like, <laughs> You're not doing data science, like a pilgrim, right? <laughs> well, I mean, so this is like, so uh, this for me is the difference between like some of the work I've done. Like, I guess it like, I don't use, I don't use R in my professional job. Um, and that is a choice. And it's because I have seen people try to take R into production and R is not a full coding language right and so like if you have to take something into production like i flatter myself i code well for my job title i do (laughs) but i am not an engineer like i went to pycon in cleveland and i met a whole bunch of really slick python coders and i i don't code python like they do but what's handy is is that because python has all of this other functionality built into it um, and you also are going to have engineers on staff at your job who are trained to be Python engineers. I can take that code into production, have engineers review it, and have confidence that it's not going to break. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, but I learned. So this is like I, I'm like the like the like I joke like my team even thinks I'm a little odd. So I learned to code SaaS because Amex was a SaaS shop when I joined. Um, and I learned to code SAS in VI and on Linux, like on a on a on a SSH tunnel. <laughs> so, like I load up, 
I fire up even on Google. You can fire one of those up on my. I run a Linux box up there, um, and yeah, I'm I'm tunneling in. I'm writing in BI, and like I mean, once you learn the keyboard commands, it's like super simple. But um, you know, like I I like I cron out like what you see from the bots and stuff like that. That's just croned out, right? Like I I'm a big like what I have at my fingertips with Python is just uh, in some ways like it's like. I, I wouldn't, I would never, I could probably still get a job as a SAS coder somewhere. Like there's going to be somebody running like, like I'll, I'll, it's just like SQL. Like there'll be somebody with like a SQL box sitting under their desk somewhere that I'll have to get data off of. But like, like Python for me. Uh, yeah. Like I, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to use R. Like <laughs> they're not like for the math stuff, they're incredibly comparable. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I I would use Python just, but but like you said, it's more functional. You can do other stuff with it. And yeah. speaking of bots, if you're on Twitter, do not. Well, I mean, if you want to get flagged, you can tweet hashtag horns down. Uh, <laughs> I've, and, I've seen you retweeting those. Those, those are funny. <laughs> that was a weekend project uh, a couple weekends ago. So uh, <laughs> that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep track of uh, how many yards we all get penalized throughout the season. So uh you know watch out you'll get you'll get a penalty so i uh, want to write a bot that just like finds like the scalding hot takes because like people are already like just like oklahoma's terrible they won't like that defense is never gonna figure i'm like man i and i say this i don't know that i remember a week where more teams look bad in week one yeah other than that i mean like with the like almost sole exception of alabama um mm-hmm. You know, like, like nearly. I mean, I, Texas had a good had a good day against Louisiana, but like, man, like you just you look across college football. That's one of the my main takeaways from this past weekend. I was like, oh, geez, who is who is going to yeah, be good? I mean, it, it, but this early, like 2019, nobody came away from game one and thought like, oh, LSU is going to be a juggernaut, and they ended <laughs> up being a total juggernaut. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you see, you see teams like uh, Ohio State like losing to Minnesota at half, and and Oregon barely, barely winning. And like, like, okay, well, they're playing each other now, and it's supposed to be a giant like, like matchup. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm going to be at that game. Oh wow! Hopefully, figuring out what I mean. Well, plus yeah, I do. Well, a, I do. A, guys, it's in Columbus. Yeah, well, I do a Pac-12 podcast um, with another guy that went to Arizona. And uh, I got to preview that game. So I, I got to know something about it. I mean, it's, it's handy because like I live in Columbus and like you can't, you right. cannot get away from the Buckeyes here. Like it is, I had no idea they made this many scarlet and gray t-shirts. Like, it was, like my kid goes to school and they're like, oh, it's Buckeye day. And I'm like, do we have to get a t-shirt? And he's, he'll be like the only one in his class that doesn't have a t-shirt on <laughs> otherwise. Just, just send him in a Wyoming shirt. That's true. Arizona Nobody will mess with them then. They'll, they'll, they'll be like, Did you, are you from Wyoming? There's, I've never met anyone from Wyoming. <laughs> well, speaking of Ohio State, let's uh, let's start making some picks. Uh, I I was going to say I don't mean to brag, but I'm, I do mean to brag. I won last week um, with uh, seven correct picks. So, you know, pat myself on the back here. Nice. Um, nicely done. Um, but we're going to go through kind of the three of the bigger games um, kind of go into, into a little in-depth conversation and then we'll go pick the rest. So uh, Oregon, Ohio state, what do you guys think? I mean, I mean, honestly, 
I didn't think Oregon looked great against Fresno State. So um, I, I would have, if, if they had not played at all, and then I watched the Ohio State-Minnesota game, I would say, oh, maybe Oregon could pull this off. But then I saw Oregon play just um, just as, like, not poorly, but just not really knowing what they're doing. So I, I, I'm going to give the edge to Ohio State merely because it's in Columbus. And I, I know they play very well in Columbus. Um, I think they'll bounce back. They usually play well after a close loss or a close game. So I'm going to just get, uh, give the Buckeyes this one. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, I think this Ohio State team is they have a ton of talent still. You know, like the concerns that you have and where I guess I am sort of comfortable saying like you can draw some conclusions if it like it's if it's a repeat of what we saw the year before in some ways. What we saw from the Buckeyes last year is they couldn't get they they struggled to get pressure on the quarterback up to their sort of traditional level. They they certainly did find a way against Clemson, but um, a lot of the year last year, they struggled to get pressure on the quarterback. The coverage wasn't great last year from those Ohio State DBs. I, I felt like we saw that again, um, you know, last week for sure. Um, Oregon, they really last season, of course, like all the Pac-12 teams had like totally limited crazy data. But Oregon struggled with their run fit last season. They struggled to defend the run. Man, Fresno State threw on them. <laughs> like, and I think Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Fresno State, is a real good OC. Um, they've got a good quarterback that had transferred from Washington, but you know, I'm, I, you definitely have concerns coming into this. Um, you know, I think for both defenses in particular, you know, are they going to be able, you know, Oregon's, I, I think Ryan day runs the most advanced, interesting run game in college football. I mean, although chip Kelly might not be far behind after last weekend, but you're, you're like, are, are the defenses going to be able to keep up? I think if it comes down to it though, I'll definitely take Ohio State's wide receivers. I think their wide receivers are excellent. I think they're going to help Stroud out. I think the run game is going to be there at home. I mean, you got to take the buck. I mean, barring two or three, barring two turnovers, if Oregon could turn them over two times, I think they got it. But I, I, I think on the, the unlikely event that, like the in, in the likely event that that doesn't happen, I'll take the buck. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm going to go with you, Al. Uh, Ohio State. Um, you know, there's concern about the defense, how they played. Um, like you mentioned, you know, up front, kind of those that havoc, those havoc plays were just not there. Uh, yep. and they just weren't getting um, pressure. But you know, Stroud looked the part. I mean, he he played well, and like you said, I mean, you've got uh, that set of wide receivers. You know, at the end of the day, Stroud can just rear back and throw it and somebody's probably going to come under it. Right. And so, um, I think I'm with you all. Um, I'm going to go Ohio state over Oregon. All right. Uh, Washington versus Michigan. Let's move a little North, both, both States here. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, no stats, no offense, defensive stats from week one matter because Washington lost to an FCS school i mean yeah. I, I i don't care what what michigan did it, i'm picking michigan it's it's it, it and it's at michigan right is it at michigan yep yeah, yeah it's it, in it, ann arbor done deal uh uh they're gonna think uh harbaugh's back it they're, they're gonna trounce him um it, it won't really mean anything because it's washington but I, I i really think it's gonna be a no contest michigan just dominates 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think Michigan should definitely get this one. Washington, I think the defense is there. Um, and I, I, I think uh, even with Kwiatkowski moving on to Texas, I still think that the, with Lake there, the defense is going to be solid. But, um, man, like I, I harped on the Donovan hire when they made it, you know, last year. I thought it was an odd hire. Um, coming in, it's definitely panned out the way we thought it was going to. I don't think, well, I don't think Washington can fix the offensive issues we saw um you know last last week and and sort of saw, saw somewhat last season um you know by the time you know in time to get to ann arbor and get it turned around now i, th- I expected to play a lot better than they did last week i mean jimmy lake's gonna have those kids attention <laughs> for sure but i just i i think michigan the you know the the offense is fine i don't love their oc um but you know the defense seems to be doing better you know for sure than they were last year so i i yeah i think michigan's the right play all right well we're all in agreement again i think i'm gonna go with michigan too i think the biggest thing is that you know when you see one of these upsets with like an fcs team or you know some of these smaller schools beat somebody like washington it's usually a more high a higher scoring game montana held them to seven points that is <laughs> That like like you were speaking, that's some serious trouble with offensive issues. I mean, if you can only put up seven points to you know FCS Montana, you've got some issues. And so, yeah, I think going to Ann Arbor, um, I think Kyle kind of hit it on the head there. There, uh, Michigan's going to get some credit for this win, but I don't know how much credit they'll yeah. really deserve, but. I think I think they'll pull it off and, and beat Washington. All right. I think this might be the most interesting game of the weekend. Iowa, Iowa State. Uh, I'll go first again. Um, I watched Iowa. I watched Iowa State. Iowa seems to have a really good team. Um, not sure how good Indiana is going to be at the end of the season, but they had a great season last year. Started ranked. Um, it really wasn't close in really in any aspect. Um, they looked pretty dominant um, for at least um, opening week, and then you, look, then you look at Iowa State, and they play well, who they play Northern Iowa or something like that. They yeah. won by a score. I mean, I, I know that they're not very good opening week most seasons, but I was not impressed in any way. Um, they have a lot of things to fix before conference play starts if they want to have a chance at uh, making the, the championship. So um, I, I just think Iowa will be more dominant uh, just based off of uh, the both games uh, on Saturday. I also, I, I think I'm still going to go with the Cyclones here. And I, I think it's because, I mean, I, I think, Bill Parker, Iowa's defensive coordinator, is probably the most underrated defensive coordinator in all of college football. Like he almost everybody talks about Ferentz, but like Parker's been carrying Ferentz for a couple of years now because Ferentz also employs his kid, who is not a very good offensive coordinator, as his OC. <laughs> and and uh, Iowa had two pick sixes last week, um, and that's I, I feel like skews the, in, in Indiana's offense. They've been struggling since DeBoer went to Fresno State. Um, I think Iowa State. I think that they can fix it. They returned so much off of last year's squad. They have continuity on the coaching staff. 
Um, I'm still gonna, I mean, I, I get like, I will look good. I mean, and, and they look, they look good even, you know, on offense. I'm not sure what Indiana's defense is going to be, but I, I still like the Hawkeye or not the Hawkeyes. I like the Cyclones here. Um, I think that unlike Washington, who I'm not sure can fix their offense. I think Iowa state can figure it out. Yeah. I, th- I, I like Iowa state too. Um, they're well one there. That's a, home game for them and uh, you know rivalries are kind of weird that way uh sometimes that can play a big role but um Brees Hall um that was a weird game I don't know how much of that game he watched but uh um he started off pretty good um you know I was worried that he might kind of fall off um after the big year last year um he might fall off a bit but uh he he came out and he was playing well, and then in the second half he kind of looked like um, he had he had the Oklahoma second half malaise uh, there. And he he uh, it looked a little I don't know not not all there, but I I think he'll be back and uh, I think he'll have a good game against Iowa, and uh, I'm going to take the Cyclones as well. All right, let's uh, let's go through these uh, the rest of these games real quick. Pittsburgh Tennessee, what, who you got? Uh, Tennessee for me. Uh, hold on here. Who do I have in this game? I think I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I think Tennessee is bad. I mean, no they offense to Josh Heupel. No they offense to bad. Josh Heupel, but they are bad. To... But it's at Tennessee. They they have they have a good they have a good home crowd. I oh man, like Beta Rank has this as two bad teams playing each other, <laughs> um, and. It's got Tennessee basically is like it would it would favor Pittsburgh if it was on a neutral site. It's got Tennessee as a slight favorite at home, like one point yeah. four or five points. I'm I'm gonna go with the balls. Oh yeah. All right, Florida, South Florida. Yeah, Florida, right? Florida's winning this game. No, no question. Florida, South Florida got beat by thirty plus points. Yeah. Um, scoreless. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, give me the Gators. Uh, Texas A&M, Colorado. I think we all know who I'm going to pick. Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, pettiness. I love it. Uh, I'm going with the Aggies. I'm pretty comfortable. Beta Ranks got them with an 84% win probability, so don't turn the ball over like three or four times, and and they should win. I think it's in Denver. This game is – is that where it's Yeah, yeah. It's not in Boulder for some reason. Neutral site, yeah. Yeah, that I, that takes away from a lot, but um, because Boulder's a great place, um, the, yeah, the stadium is beautiful. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Texas A&M on this one. Uh, sorry, Kyle. Okay, we'll see. Uh, North Carolina State, Mississippi State. Uh, th- throw me, throw me at NC State. Ooh, yeah. Oh, this is tough. It's at home for Mississippi State. Beta Rank's got, man, North Carolina State with only a 35% win probability, but it's only four and a half points. I like Mississippi State's defensive coordinator hire that they made. I think Mike Leach is just lost at this point. Like, I don't think he can make the necessary adjustments required. NC State looked really good. That's just his face. Yeah. I just, I mean, he's stubborn as a dang mule. I mean, that's, it's true. He just like, um, 
I'm going to take NC State here. I'm I'm, I'm going to go against the model. I think that's the right pick. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm going to go NC State as well. Nice. Uh, Utah, BYU. The Holy War, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, BYU looked really good. I'm going BYU. I, I, I like... I still like Utah in this game. It's at this is at BYU. BYU um, is a slight favorite in the model, only because of the home field advantage. But I think Utah's defense will be really good in this game. Um, I still I'm not, and I say this as an Arizona fan who stayed up till like God knows what time to watch that game <laughs> on the East Coast. But it was, I mean, I'm not sure what Arizona is going to be under the new coaching staff. And BYU did look pretty good against them, but. I think the Utes uh, get it done. I, they've got like an eight or nine game win streak going against BYU. Yeah, I'm going with BYU. I think uh, I think All they'll right. get it done. All right, Stanford USC rounded out. Um, Kansas USC, State, right? Yeah, Kansas State ran all over Stanford. Um, USC Stanford looked, looked, looked bad. Yeah, like bad, bad. Yeah, I think, I mean, Stanford has really struggled defensively for years. David Shaw just will not, for some reason, fire Lance Anderson, um, his defensive coordinator. I just, uh, USC looked pretty good. San Jose was a good good team last season. So I don't think that that was just a pushover. Um, they uh, they looked good in that game. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the Trojans. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's the, those are hey, our picks. You, uh, missed, you missed one. You missed one. What I miss? Texas and Arkansas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm picking. Oldest trick Ooh, in the book. pig suey. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 it will be a sold-out game for the first time since 2017, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. But, I mean, Rice was, Rice was beating them at the half. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it'll be much trouble, but yeah, give me Texas. Yeah. But, but like you said, though, those rivalry games are kind of creepy and kind of weird. Uh, who knows what will happen, but I, I'm going Texas. Arkansas the needs ghosts to of, the ghosts of the Southwest conference are going to get you, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, Hudson, Hudson card would have to throw like three interceptions. I think for Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. I think card looked good. Uh, by, by John, B John. By John, by John Robinson. Be I mean, John. I think he's he's the guy that we thought he was. Uh, he played a really good game, so you know I'm picking this out of spite. So you know, <laughs> and if, if only he had stayed home. He's like he was. He's from Tucson. Like I, he, I used to live when I was finishing up my undergrad there, like right across the street from the high school, which was close to campus. I did not want to stay and be a wildcat. I mean, I don't blame him, but you know, did not want to stay. And be a <laughs> All right, uh, you want to round things out with a uh, Aggie fact here, and then we'll we'll call it a day. Yeah, I need a, a palate cleanser, and that's what that's what does the trick. <laughs> okay, right, well, I, oh, you can go first. That's fine. I'll go first. I'll go okay. first. How about we got the winningest coach in Texas A&M history, R.C. Slocum, has had 123 wins. 123 wins would rank fourth at Oklahoma. Okay, not bad. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Uh, well, I, I like I like being uh, topical, and they're playing Colorado uh, this week, so this has to do with Colorado. Um, 
both the last time Texas A&M started the season ranked this high in the preseason poll and the last time Texas beat the Raging Cajuns in a season opener at DKR, Texas A&M lost to Colorado that season. Nice. Oh, wow. That's, that's some coincidence there. <laughs> and then one more about Colorado. Um, I'm going to rethink my pick. <laughs> in the last 60 years, Colorado leads A&M uh, in national championships, weeks ranked number one, top five finishes, division championships, consensus All-Americans, and um, Heisman finalists. That is amazing. Because Colorado basically that. had like one good decade. Right. Like, Colorado was good like in the 90s. Right. And that's about <laughs> that it. was about it. Yeah, the Heisman stuff especially, like, but they have one Heisman winner, right? Rashad Salam, right? Yeah, uh, we'll say yes. <laughs> he ran for he ran for two thousand yards back when that was like a guarantee to win the Heisman. Yeah. All right. Well, poor Aggies. Yep. Sorry about <laughs> you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Rob, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Rob. Yeah. Thanks for having awesome. me on. Um. Everybody go check out the beta rank at Sharp College Football. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how our picks go. I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Oh, and remember, if you want to get flagged, just tweet hashtag horns down and, you know, you'll you'll get that 15-yarder. Now, what you need to uh, – you need to make some updates throughout the season. You Like, I would love, like, a GIF to also be posted with, like, a referee with your face on it just – Throwing a flag, that'd be pretty pretty nice. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and then you waving the the finger like ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. There we go. Yeah yeah. I mean we we don't have time to get into it about you know how it's GIF and not GIF, but we'll save that for the other the next episode. So I, I knew you'd catch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Rob, again for, for coming on. It was, it was a blast. Thanks, guys. Stats are for losers.